What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat who dat stuff? Who dat? You know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our 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 chant. Duncan Holder podcast back at you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, you could follow all of our podcasts as we're back on the podcastosphere, as uh, no one calls it. I just made that up on the fly. But of course, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder or wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, you name it, it's all over the map. And Jeff, I don't think we anticipated going through year two of a Drew Brees injury, but alas, here we are. Drew Brees, of course, with the rib injuries and the punctured lung, and we don't really know how long he's going to be out, but we know the Saints are going to have to turn to someone else. Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, we're going to dive into all of that in this podcast. Also dive into how the Saints might have to manage with some other injuries, especially the ones that Sean Payton pointed out were more critical than maybe people think. And, of course, the Saints are still riding a six-game win streak through all of this. So, Jeff, just first of all, what have you been hearing about Drew Brees? How long might he be out? What are some of the things that he's been dealing with? And what obviously we know what exacerbated the injury, but what, what have you been hearing kind of through the grapevine? Well, you know, I think all the reports that have come out have kind of filled in exactly what the injuries are. It's uh, fractured ribs. It sounds like he – fractured three ribs on his right side against Tampa Bay, which nobody knew about. And one of the reasons I think the Saints are being even extra guarded about this injury information getting out, Sean Payton on Tuesday, on Monday, really not elaborating as usual on the injury uh, specifics is because, as, as you know, Larry, I mean, they're supposed to report that stuff. And if he wasn't on the injury report, they could be facing a fine uh, for not reporting. I think they had him on injury report with a shoulder injury a few weeks ago. This would have been something different. So that's a whole nother story that will probably develop here down the road. But three broken ribs or fractured ribs. And I think we should quali- uh, you know, qualify that, right? Fractured ribs could be a variety of things. I mean, they could be very small hairline fractures. It doesn't mean it's not painful, but when you hear broken ribs or fractured ribs, you think the thing's broken in two compound fractures. That's not what he's dealing with here. It's probably a little more uh, painful than a bruise uh, ribs. And then he obviously suffered the big hit against uh, the 49ers where he landed on his other side and fractured ribs there and obviously had the um, collapsed lung. And that's another injury that sounds really bad and it can be very bad, but there are varying uh, degrees of collapsed lungs. Sometimes they're very uh, uh, minorly collapsed. Sometimes they're collapsed the whole way and you can't breathe hardly at all. Uh, we don't know what Breeze was dealing with, but you and I talked to him after the game on the conference call uh, and he was able to speak. Obviously, he didn't look, you know, in great spirits. Uh, he looked very concerned, but he did play with that and uh, did play throughout the beginning of the game with the rib injuries from the Tampa game and look, look pretty good at that. So um, obviously these things are all mounting on him at age 41. It's much more difficult to recover, recover, but his healing, I think uh, is not like yours or mine. Uh, This guy is kind of maniacal in the way he attacks a rehab and also is in extremely great physical condition. 
So I think if you're a Saints fan, the diagnosis on these things usually three to six weeks, and that's what I've been hearing with the hope that it'd be closer to the former, a three-week or four-week uh, respite for him. I think you always, with Drew Brees, believe it's going to be toward the short end of a rehab. He's proven it, his track record from his shoulder injury to his thumb injury last year. He's come back quicker. So I would think three games maybe and hopefully getting back for the fourth. And I'm wondering how you even rehab this thing. I mean, it has to be just rest. You're not putting a cast on a rib and it's got to heal itself basically. So you're kind of more at the mercy of that as opposed to his thumb injury where sure he had surgery on it, but he could do exercises to make that thing stronger and, and ready to go. And he came back on the shorter end of that spectrum too last year, uh, probably a game earlier than maybe a lot of us thought. Uh, people assumed, oh, well, he, he didn't have to play that game and sit out the bye week and then come back, but he came and played probably a week earlier than maybe a lot of us anticipated. But I'm just curious to see where the Saints turn. And we knew on the fly that they would turn to Jameis Winston. And yet now they have a week to game plan. You and me are both kind of curious to see where they go because, uh, look, we know that how much the Saints are enamored with Taysom Hill. And yet it is vastly different with the experience level as far as playing in the NFL. So which route do you go? I just suggest I'm going to give a, a good suggestion for Sean Payton that he does not follow the same path that I wrote about for him in his final game in the NFL where Mike Ditka rotated guys each play. I suggest – not doing that. And I'm assuming Sean Payton knows that that's not the route to go. I would love to see that. Wouldn't it make it fun? I mean, that would be, be <laughs> completely unconventional. But, you know, I think they're going to end up doing playing both guys. I think we're going to see a very similar uh, strategy as what we saw in the game the other day. I mean, there was a heavy dose of Taysom Hill in that game, especially when they went to the running game to try and close the game out. I mean, he basically became the, the starter. He was in there for, I think, five out of seven plays at one point running the ball until he fumbled, which I'm sure didn't, uh, uh, you know, make Sean Payton any uh, more convinced that he's the future of the quarterback position. But he – That's when we started seeing Latavius right. Murray. Well, you know, he's fumbled. <laughs> Taysom Hill now has fumbled four times this year, and he'd only fumbled once in the previous three seasons. So that's got to be a little bit of a concern for them. Uh, he's lost two of the four, but he's fumbled the ball around a lot. Even – Jameis kind of bobbled one uh, in, a, in a tough moment there. So I think turnovers, that's one of the things we all take for granted with Drew, right? I mean, he hardly ever turns it over when he does. Everyone goes crazy because it's so rare. And now we're getting ready to see probably a couple of guys. And Teddy Bridgewater, that's one of his strengths. He never really put the team in harm's way or put them in a bad situation. And now we've got a couple of guys that, I mean, Jameis Winston's entire career has been hounded by turnovers. And Taysom Hill is unproven and is shown to have a lot of fumble figures here this season. So I don't think in either, in either case, we know what we're getting. And if you're a Saints fan, I don't think you can just blindly say, well, we went 5-0 and last year, uh, so we'll be fine. Because Teddy Bridgewater, in my opinion, was a much, uh, more, uh, much safer and more reliable and, uh, you know, proven quarterback than either of the guys that they're getting ready to turn to until Drew gets back. 
Well, there's a reason why Tampa was walking away from Jameis Winston. And if Tom Brady would not have gone there, they would have signed Teddy Bridgewater. He's the 180 difference. He is careful with the football, judicious with the football. That's the word when I talked with Kurt Warner a couple weeks ago. And I had those quotes for the story I wrote after the game, basically in my back pocket. Thought I'd have to write about it in like March. No, I had to I had to bring those to light now just because uh, Jameis Winston is likely going to be playing a lot now. But uh, Jameis, uh, he's, a, he's the gunslinger. I mean, that's who he is. And uh, it's funny that Greg Cosell from NFL Films and ESPN's NFL Matchup, he had a really good uh, outlook on Jameis basically saying, okay, you know you value the football, and Sean and Drew, especially his last few years, uh, have been way more judicious with the football than they have in the past. But how much do you put that on Jameis Winston because you don't want to take away his aggressive mindset, and then you really mess him up? So this is a delicate balancing act for Sean Payton, how he approaches this game plan. Uh, does he allow Jameis to take shots because we know he's a guy who's gonna who can get it downfield, or does he have him be conservative and say, "Look, you see Alvin Kamara right there, throw it to him. You see the little slant pattern to Michael Thomas, throw it to him." I'm curious to see how he balances uh, the way he uses Jameis, and of course Taysom. I mean, the same light. I, that's a bigger curiosity because we don't know how he was he's going. Well, to be. yeah, and here's the thing. And I think Drew Brees has figured this out, and certainly Sean Payton has in the last few years. They don't have to take risks anymore. Uh, now that that 2017 draft class is a foundational class that they hit on, and they've been able to build their core. That was form their core, and they've been able to kind of build on that in the last couple of drafts and use some free agency picks here and there uh, to build this roster. And this roster, I would argue, and, and I think you probably feel the same way, is probably stronger and more talented and more certainly more balanced than any team of the Breeze-Payton tenure. They, they can win games in other ways. And I found this stat last night, Larry, doing some research that kind of underscores that. In the, in the entire 15-year Breeze-Payton tenure, decade and a half, they've had 19 games, which is pretty amazing they've only had 19 games, in that span where they've been held to 280 yards or less offensively in the first 12 years of the breeze Peyton tenure, they were one in nine in those games. Since then they're seven and two. So it shows you they can win. They won uh, this past Sunday score uh, getting 237 yards. They won basically because of their special teams and their defense dominating. Uh, they beat Tampa in the opener. I think they had 250 something or 260 yards and won that game because they get two picks of, of Brady. So they can win games without having to have Drew Brees or the passing offense carry them. The running game is very good too. So I think the coaching staff knows that. Teddy Bridgewater knew that. Now, is Jameis Winston going to know that if he takes over the team? Is Taysom Hill going to know that? We're going to find out, but I'm sure it's going to be hammered home to them to not make mistakes because this team's good enough to win w- without the quarterback dominating. And I think you were rightfully pointing out the defense and special teams. Those have drastically changed since 2017. You added Will Lutz. He's been obviously clutch. Uh, The special teams, gunner positions and that sort of thing from uh, just Justin Hardy, JT Gray, obviously uh, Marquez Calloway, 
uh, look, they're getting that done. They, Deontay Harris is a bigger threat than what they've had. And defensively, uh, we've certainly seen them get better. They don't take the ball away as much as probably people like, but they are certainly more uh, apt to getting stops or big sacks and that sort of thing. And that, that's certainly something that we know the Saints are going to have to lean on. And uh, I'm wondering, just uh, back offensively, when Jameis got in there, I felt like he started targeting Michael Thomas a lot more than maybe what we were seeing these last couple of weeks. Maybe he sees Mike Thomas as like his Mike Evans, and maybe we see more of him. And the Saints, look, if they need anyone to step up and elevate their play in this span, Michael Thomas would have to be number one. You need him being that all-pro guy. Yeah, I thought that's a great observation because when I rewatched the game yesterday, he was locked in on Mike Thomas. I mean, he airmailed a couple of them in the red zone toward him. It looked like they just weren't in sync, which I think is understandable, getting thrown right. into the fire like that. And I think it's really a, a valuable lesson to look back at, at what this team did when Bridgewater came in, he did not look good against the Rams either because the game plan wasn't about him. It was all about Drew Brees. And then the staff had a week to compile a game plan that was Teddy-centric, built around his strengths and skill set. And we saw how, they, how he flourished in that situation. They'll do the same this week. And certainly they're going to keep everything under wraps. You know how Peyton is. He's going to keep the Falcons guessing. Uh, but I think we're going to end up seeing both these guys. And I think you're right. We know Alvin Kamara is having a breakout season, uh, the best season of his career. They need Mike Thomas to start being that guy in the intermediate passing game. He was targeted seven times on Sunday and only caught two passes for 27 yards. It's hard to believe we're in, what are we entering, week 11 now, and he still doesn't have a touchdown catch. Uh, Sorry, fantasy football owners. It's been a disaster from that perspective. And you look at some of the other issues on the Saints, and I'm wondering how much teams key in on that running game because uh, they feel like, all right, Alvin Kamara is going to be the guy maybe more now than ever, and how much do they key in on that? And uh, all you got to hear is what Sean Payton had to say after the game, Josh Hill with a concussion, Traquan Smith with a concussion. Uh, Those two guys are pivotal in that run game, and people might not think of that, but if you go look at the snap counts, each week and overall, Traquan Smith's is always high, even though his production isn't that high. And Josh Hill is basically even with Jared Cook. And Jared Cook is not involved really in the run game. So if Josh Hill's out, that means more on Adam Troutman. Uh, he's going to have to be used more in a blocking capacity. And then, look, we've seen the offensive line banged up. Andres Pete had to leave early. Uh, we're seeing kind of some juggling. And now, rightfully so. I mean, we've seen last three weeks Cesar Ruiz have some yeah. issues. I mean, there's no doubt, there's no doubt about it. So I'm wondering if they just shift to Nick Easton for now, uh, because unfortunately Ruiz was the guy who did not block uh, Contavious Street, and he's the one who cracked Breeze literally. I think it. you're spot on. I, I think we're going to see more of Nick Easton. Uh, matter of fact, I've heard that, that they want to give maybe a little bit of a break to Ruiz. Maybe they threw him out there too quickly. And I think what this is telling the Saints long-term is Cesar Ruiz is going to be their center. Uh, he's going to move to center maybe after this season. That's probably what they wanted to do, but didn't have a full off season to really get him up to speed. Eric McCoy has been great at center, but 
he is going to be a better guard, I think, than Cesar Ruiz. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And get Ruiz where he can have help on each side of him at center. Uh, and I think that's what they found out here in the first half of the season. And that's what this this is all about sometimes, you know, trying to uh, adjust on the fly and evaluate on the fly. But Ruiz has been too inconsistent early on, uh, especially in pass protection. And, and it obviously has cost him. And we've talked about this and written this, that Cesar Ruiz openly admitted that he struggles at guard and that he's born to play center. And that, I'm sure if the Saints had a normal offseason, they probably would have flipped it because Ruiz would have got more work. McCoy is more apt to be able to shift. Uh, You and me, again, have talked about this, even going back to the Combine, uh, back when I was reporting that they were done with Larry Warford and they were open to moving Eric McCoy. So this is not something that's going to escape them. Something I don't know if they're going uh, to, like, like, like you said, I don't think they're going to make that move now, but probably next season I think they will. But look, I think that's something we also have to uh, zero in on when we're watching this offense moving forward. How well does Drew Brees get rid of the football? How much does he, he climb the pocket? Jameis is not that great at doing that. Taysom, who knows? Uh, look, he might be one read, two read, and he's going to take off. So this is going to be kind of almost like flying by the seat of your pants as far as if you're a Saints fan, you don't, you're going to be on the edge of your seat because this is not going to be Teddy Bridgewater playing more like Drew Brees. These two guys are different, and offensive line is going to have to adjust. Receivers are going to have to adjust. Sean Payton's going to have to adjust. And if they lose a couple of games, it's not the end of the world. I think Saints fans need to understand that because this isn't week two, you lose them. And then you don't know what the heck's going to happen. And you, you basically are fortunate you will go 5-0. and You at least have a big cushion and home field advantage in, these, in this postseason. You're not going to have fans. You're able to have a couple of slip-ups and get in the playoffs and then you see what happens once you get there. Yeah, and I think this team is good enough. Um, what you and I are talking about right now, really the concerns we might have, say, at offensive line or in the secondary, uh, which, let's face it, they, they're not going to be tested. They haven't really been tested the last few weeks except for Tampa Bay where they had, where they had a, a great performance. But San Francisco with Nick Mullins does not throw the ball down the field. They had to bring in C.J. Beathard to throw a deep ball. And we've seen Nick Foles, what he is. So I, I think there's still some concerns on the back end. Even though they're playing better, I think it's good they're getting confidence. I think what you and I are talking about is can this team win a Super Bowl without Drew Brees? You know, this team's good enough to win against Atlanta. I think they can beat Denver. But they've got to get all these other things rectified if they're going to make a deep playoff run and get back to the Super Bowl. Uh, to beat, say, Kansas City at home, uh, they're not going to be able to score – you know, 18 points. They're going to have to get up in the upper 20s or 30s to play against the elite teams in the league. That's really the standard that the Saints are being measured by right now because this is, as Taryn Armstead said, a Super Bowl of bust season. And that's really where the evaluation begins. They're going to win enough games the rest of the way, I think, to be in the hunt. Now, whether they can get that number one seed, I think remains to be seen. That's got to be Sean Payton's number one goal. But doing it without Drew Brees is going to be a huge challenge. And right now, they didn't even lose a game, and they've slipped to number two because they don't hold the tiebreaker on Green Bay. Seattle went and lost, and they were the number one seed for a week just because it was a three-way tie and the Saints had the best conference record. So, look, they're going to be battling 
Green Bay, who we saw them come to the dome and, and light up the Saints. And that was with Drew Brees actually playing pretty well. So uh, that, that's a team you got to look out for. Arizona's up and coming. Anyone really in the NFC West outside of the 49ers, they're a threat. And so it's certainly something that the Saints even – I know they want to be the number one seed. I get it. Uh, I just think that they can go in on the road. They're not going to some maniac crowd noise place. So that's not as big of an issue. So if there's ever a year that they could absorb not being the number one seed, this would be it. But obviously – you would like to have that bye week, this, that, and the other, uh, and just and stay at home throughout if you can. Yeah, and I wanted to say something earlier because you, you triggered something uh, in your remarks that I forgot to mention. Drew Brees' lung injury uh, is really not a concern. I mean, obviously it's, it's a concern, but it's not the big deal. It's, it's the ribs. The, the lung injury can be a rehab. They, they can't exercise. We saw Drew Brees post on his Instagram last night with his family – that's really not a concern. You talk to medical people. Uh, that was something that was a byproduct of him getting hit and knocked to the ground, his lung collapse. It's the ribs that need to heal, and that just takes time. There's really nothing you can do about that. So I think people have questions about the lung being an issue going forward. It's not going to be an issue unless he gets hit again and slammed to the ground underneath a 300-pound man. Uh, that's good to know. And I assume that I just the ribs – they've just got to sit there and heal. I mean, that's like a toe injury. Like, you know, if it's hurt, what can you do? You can't like rehab it. So it's kind of in the, in the same light. And obviously we're going to be looking at that, but look, we, we have to mention the defense. Yes. The last couple of weeks, they, they've played great. Uh, there's no question about it. And you're seeing improvement. There's no doubt the defensive front's playing well. One of the best run defenses. Uh, it was wild to see Jarek McKinnon, it's so many carries, and I think one of the stats I saw from our, our buddy Matt Barrows uh, from our San Francisco Bureau who covers 49ers, that eight runs were either no gains or minus yards, and they kept feeding them, and they went nowhere. And so, uh, But you look at that, and it will probably turn to teams trying to throw the ball against them. We've seen some improvement. Marshawn Lattimore banged up, curious to see if he's able to kind of rebound. I think they held him back. Uh, because they knew the game was kind of out of reach. And, hey, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, he spoke to the media afterward. He said he's fine. So uh, I'm sure they're going to limit those guys this week in practice. But uh, but also, Jeff, defensively, we saw a lot more two linebacker looks in, in this game with Quan Alexander and than we had in the last few games. And I'm curious to see how much they go forward and – but Demario Davis saying how impressed he was uh, being that Quan was so fast. Uh, he might be that sneaky upgrade that I know you're not Mr. Linebacker, but boy, you never know. Look, it, it, I, I think he can kind of be almost interchangeable with, with, with Demario and make it uh, a little more exotic for Dennis Allen. Well, I think they're going to the old Greg Williams line about, you know, get the best 11 on the field. That's kind of what feels like they're doing, right? I mean, CJ Gardner Johnson's kind of that hybrid role. And clearly, Dennis Allen and his staff found something on tape that the 49ers had a flaw in their protection schemes because they blitzed Gardner-Johnson out of the slot off the edge almost every first down, and they never adjusted. It was amazing to me. Cal Shanahan's a great coach. They have a great staff. But he came free every time. 
And uh, they ended up, I think the Saints had nine tackles for loss. That's an amazing number. And a lot of them were on first down. So they got the 49ers in these second and 15s and second and 12s. And Nick Mullins isn't going to get you out of those holes uh, consistently. Uh, and I think we're also seeing the emergence of David Onyemata. I mean, this is a guy that's kind of gradually gotten better the last couple of years. But he's no longer a secret. I mean, he's one of the best defensive linemen, interior guys in the league. There's no doubt about it. He's a force in there. And that depth, Larry, you and I have talked about it before. I mean, they go eight deep there. And that's, done, that's not even counting Sheldon Rankins. And there's really little drop-off at all in any of the eight guys. They can rotate and sub um, regularly. And so by the fourth quarter, this, those legs are still fresh. And I think that is what is going to carry this defense going forward. As long as they can t- continue to shut down the run, that's been a consistent now for years. Uh, I don't see that going away. But that front can continue to get pressure the way they have recently. Uh, and we know this is a game of attrition. We see it each week. Opposing offensive lines are just – they're getting, uh, you know, destroyed by injuries, and the Saints are still relatively healthy. I know they had a bunch of injuries, but they haven't lost anybody for the season. And that's a huge, huge advantage for them, I think, down the stretch here with that defensive line starting to come on. No doubt about it. And uh, when you look at the defensive front, I'm curious to see if they're able to affect Matt Ryan this weekend. We, obviously, Matt Ryan knows the Saints, know, knows what they bring. Uh, look, Todd Gurley is there, and he's not the same Todd Gurley, but he's more effective than some of the guys they've had probably in the last couple of years. So, And you still have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. I know they've been kind of nicked up throughout the year, uh, both of those guys. But uh, like, I think this will be a test for the Saints' defense to keep them in a game this week just because – uh, if you have one of those blown coverages, then you put it more on the shoulders of Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. And that's probably not what Sean Payton wants to see, especially maybe in this first game without Drew Brees. Let's have the defense play well and the offense just kind of get their feet under them, knowing that they're going to have to probably play this way for the next few weeks. Yeah, I think that game in Atlanta could be dicey. It's always, you know, one of these games always turns into a war, whether it's this game this week. Uh, or the game in a couple weeks. It's kind of weird they're playing them twice in three weeks. But I agree with you. I think Matt Ryan, the fact he knows this team so well, the, the Falcons know him well, uh, I think is going to be a, a, you know, a big challenge because they gonna, they're going to have a game plan that's effective against the Saints defense. I, I, I was not impressed with Bruce Arians' game plan at all against the Saints the other night. Uh, I think when you play this team – You've got to respect that run defense. You still you can't abandon the run completely the way Arians did, but you've got to attack the Saints sometimes with some screens, misdirections. And I think if the 49ers had their full arsenal, uh, that certainly would have been a different game because I, th- I like the game plan Kyle Shanahan had. He just didn't have the horses to pull it off. Yeah, it definitely would have been tighter. There's no doubt. Uh, just because they would have been far more diverse. You could rattle off all the players that they didn't have. And look, who you play them when you play them. And that's what happened. And they won the game. So that's just kind of the nature of the beast. But uh, Jeff, I think it's going to be interesting these next few weeks. We said that. <laughs> we said this a few uh, last year. I think it's going to be interesting. I just want to give a little tease that I'm going to be looking into, I think, People who read The Athletic know I like to see which throws quarterbacks make well, which ones they don't. I'm going to dive into 
what Jameis has looked at uh, on the route tree, a little bit of what Taysom's looked like on the route tree. Hopefully I can find some preseason uh, stats, which I think I will. Uh, but uh, I'm going to kind of dissect that and, uh, and see where this team can go, and I'm going to have my cheat sheet later on this week. Yeah, I love that. I, and I think it's what we all are curious to see, right, is how will this offense morph uh, under Jameis Winston and or Taysom Hill. Uh, I think they've got enough talent around them with Alvin Kamara and Mike Thomas and the line intact to where they can hammer out wins without Drew Brees. But as I, as I said today in, in my film study, I don't think the Saints anymore need Drew Brees to carry the team. I think that's pretty clear. But what they miss in him is all those intangibles, all those things that don't show up in the box score, his leadership, his intelligence, his poise under pressure, leading those two-minute drills, the experience to do those things. That's stuff that you can't replicate with arm talent. And in big games, uh, you know, that's the guy you want under center, gives you the best chance to win. Now, they can win a lot of these games during the regular season, but you and I were talking about long-term. I think they got to get number nine back at some point. I would agree for the playoffs. I think you definitely have to get him back to, to make that run. So, all right, well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Duncan Holder podcast. You can go check it out, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder or wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, all over the internet. Uh, you can go check that out. 